Acts chapter 19 this morning. I'm, I'm excited. We're starting a new series, believe it or not, in a uh, called Fresh Wind. <laughs> and um, the reason why is because it's revival month. We're having revival at the end of this month. Uh, a buddy of mine by the name of Matthew Carpenter is coming up from Louisiana. He's going to be preaching. And um, I told everybody that was here this morning, um, those who were setting up and getting ready to, to serve you all this morning in some way, form, or fashion, I told them, I said, this is a month of pursuit. We're pursuing God. We're pursuing His presence. We're pursuing the anointing of the Lord. And I said, and the reason why is, I said, I need Him every day. Every single day, I need Him. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need His presence in my life. And we're going to pursue Him, I said, because I want God to do something. And how many people know that the Bible says where two or three will agree upon a thing, it shall be so. If you didn't know that, the Bible says two or three people agree upon a thing, it shall be so. And I don't know about you, but I want to see Rutledge changed. I want to see Rutledge changed. I want to see Rutledge not just, and, and I don't want to, I'm not bashing churches in this area because some people are doing the best that they know how to do. But there's, there's a spirit of religion in this place where we come, we punch our card, and we leave. Come on, somebody. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about churches in this area in general. But how many people know that God wants to do stuff in the marketplace? God wants to do stuff in the schools. God wants to do stuff in the streets. God wants to do stuff with the homeless. God wants to do stuff with the widows and the orphans. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching, Pastor Joe, even if we're not amen. And come on. And the truth is, is that God wants to do it, but He wants to do it through vessels. Who's the vessels? That's us. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Aaron. You're good, man. Thank you so much. All right. Acts chapter 19. If you have a Bible, please turn there. If you don't, we're going to put it on the screen. If it's not already up there, praise the Lord. All right. So here we go. Verse no, uh, Chapter 19, verse number one. I've got a few verses to read, and then we're going to just dive right in. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and he came to Ephesus. All right, and he found some disciples. What do we know the disciples to be? Followers of Jesus, right? He found disciples, and they were followers of Jesus. This is what he said. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Into what then were you baptized? So Paul was saying, well, how did you get baptized? And this is what they said. Into John's baptism, they replied. Verse number four. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him. That is Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord. And here, I want you to grab this. And when Paul had laid his hands on him, they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. Now there were 12 men in all. I don't want you to freak out this morning. I'm not going to be talking on tongues today, but we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today, okay? And the reason why is, is because... How many people has heard of the Holy Spirit? How many people knows the Holy Spirit? Come on, somebody. There's a big difference, right? 
We see in this passage that Paul was talking to some people who had no understanding of the Holy Spirit whatsoever. And the wild thing about this to me is, is this was only about 24 to 25 years after Pentecost took place where the Holy Spirit was poured out on men and women of God. And so do you know what that tells me? That there was an ignorance that was running about in the church about the Holy Spirit only 24 to 25 years after the Holy Spirit had failed. If you're like a lot of people, you have most likely probably been misinformed about the Holy Spirit to some degree. Come on, somebody. We may have been misinformed, and I told a gentleman the other day, and I've said it from this pulpit, and I'm going to continue to say it from this pulpit. I am a pendulum in the middle kind of guy when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Pastor Joe, what do you mean by that? I was raised Baptist. We didn't talk about the Holy Ghost. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit in the way that we're talking about Him now. If, if church fell and, and people had goosebumps and people would stand up and raise their hands, that was the Holy Spirit and that's all He done. He would show up to church. And I was raised in the kind of church where you didn't move until He showed up. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but that's how I was raised. You sit there, you sit quiet until some little lady in the back is like, Woo! You know, and then church broke out. Everybody lost their mind. I don't know if you've ever been in those kind of services before, but that's how I was raised. Now, I've been to some churches before where people are doing only God knows what and there's not an ounce of spirit in the room. Y'all ever been to those churches before? I want to be a pendulum in the middle kind of church. What do you mean, Pastor Joe? I want the Holy Spirit to be welcome in this church, but I want it to be the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We're going to dig into this. In my time in ministry, I've seen some distorted, some inaccurate, and some incomplete views of what that third party of the Trinity looked like. Honestly, he was abused in a lot of churches that I've been to. I actually have a funny story about that. There was a lady who came to a church one time that we were in, and she began to get up and prophesy to people. And she told this lady in the back, come up here. And the lady came up there, and she began to talk to her, and she was like, if your boyfriend would get right with the Lord... Your life would change. Little did she know, this lady and this guy had been married for like seven years. <laughs> they had multiple kids together. But people will abuse what they call the Holy Spirit. Y'all ever been there before? Seen that before? Hopefully not in this church, amen? Because we don't want to do that. We want it to be Holy Spirit-led. But many believe, and like I said, I asked you a second ago, who believes in the Holy Spirit? Who knows the Holy Spirit? Many of us in this room, we know who He is, but we are unclear about some of the details. But the Holy, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead in the Trinity. In fact, this is what it said in John chapter 14, verse 16. And this is Jesus talking. I will pray that the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth, and the world is unable to receive Him because it doesn't see Him or know Him. But you do know Him because He remains with you and will be in you. Come on, somebody. Thank the Lord for that. He also said this in John 16 and 7. We don't have it on the screen, but I want to read this to you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage. I want you to hear that this morning. Jesus said this. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, who's the Helper? The Holy Spirit, 
will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I want to make one thing very clear in the church this morning, and I want us to understand this, and I want us to hear this. Jesus Christ said one of the greatest things that could ever happen for the believer is the Holy Spirit to come. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to break some mentalities off of us this morning. Can I do that in the room this morning? Because when I say Holy Spirit, some of you all cringe. Some of your backs get stiff. Your, your hineys get tight. You know what I'm saying? And the truth is, is we get in this place where we don't like to talk about him. We treat him like the weird uncle that comes to the family reunion that we don't want anything to do with. He's a part of the family, but he's here, okay? You know, we don't, we don't like to deal with him. But the truth is, is that Jesus said he is, it's an advantage for us. It's the most important thing that we can receive as believers is the Holy Spirit. But why? Have y'all ever questioned that before? Why is it important that we have the Holy Spirit? I can assure you one thing. I posted this on Facebook last night, and it garnished a lot of results that I was not anticipating. But the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit is more than us standing here with our hands up. The Holy Spirit is more than us feeling a goosebump on our arms. He's more than us having an encounter in this church. Amen? Amen. What He does is He leads us and He guides us in truth, the Bible says. And He's here to help us fulfill this life of godliness. Can I ask a real honest question this morning? How many people sometimes feel like you just can't do this? It's hard to live this Christian life, ain't it? Y'all on it? Thank you, Lord, for two honest people. Thank you. The truth is, is that a lot of times we try to live this life without the Holy Spirit. We want to do it on our own. We want to do it ourselves. Amen? And I'm going to be in teach mode this morning, so just kind of lock in with me as we go. In John chapter 16, verse 8, it says this. When He comes, who's He? The Holy Spirit. When He comes, He will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I want to break some theological boxes this morning as we begin to talk, but I don't want to go any further without explaining what this word convict means. I grew up in a church where conviction had to be on you. You need to feel conviction spirit. You ever been there before? You need to be convicted. The truth is, the word convicted means convinced. And then all of the pressure just leaves, doesn't it, when you think about that. You're like, holy cow. The word conviction means convinced. In the Greek word, it's elancho, which means convince someone of the truth. Have y'all ever had a, uh, have y'all ever been, been convinced about something? Or have you, here's a better one. Have y'all ever had a, 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 a healthy conversation with your spouse or somebody because you knew you were right? You know what I'm saying? You just knew that you were right and the other person was wrong and nothing you could do or nothing that they could say would convince you otherwise, that's conviction. And how many people know you can be convicted about the wrong thing, right? <laughs> right? You can be convinced that you are absolutely right and it turned out it's not true. But I want you to hear that this morning, that that word convict, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that word convict right here in that passage of Scripture is to convince someone that something is true. And the truth is, is that once you're convinced of something, you'll take it to the grave. When you're truly convinced of something, you'll take it to the grave. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been in scenarios where I have been convinced, so convinced, 
and I knew, I knew exactly what I was talking about was right, and then something came along, and I realized, oh, snap, that's not right. And then a lot of us have to do what we don't want to do, and that's eat crow, right? And I, I don't care what kind of crow you eat, whether it's warm or whether it's cold. It's not good to eat crow. Come on, somebody. So we're going to dive into this. Many of us have heard or been taught that God's going to get you. God been taught that way? Like God's this mean little kid with a magnifying glass and you're the ants and he's going to zap you every time you mess up? Or he's got this huge gavel and he's just ready to bump you on the head anytime you fail? And a preacher like me or somebody else can get up here and tell you that's not the truth, that's not the truth, that's not the truth, but you're convinced otherwise? Y'all ever been there before? And the reason why we know it, that we're convinced about it, is because we live like it. Oh, man, I messed up again. God, you hate me, don't you? Oh, man, I've, I've, I've fumbled the football again, and you're, you're just going to... Why even try? You ever been there before? Come on, somebody. But in actuality, he paid a ransom for each of us. I want you to stop and think about that for a second. He paid a ransom for you. Think about the closest loved one in your life. You received a ransom, a ransom letter that says, you give me a million dollars or we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your, your loved one. What are you going to do? You're going to do whatever you can do to get that money to them people. God did that for you. Because He loves you. And the cost of that love was His Son. But why does the Holy Spirit convict us? Why does He convict us? Because if we don't know we're lost, we don't know we need a Savior. If we don't realize that we were lost, we didn't realize we, believe, we, we needed a Savior. And as believers, I want you to hear this this morning, as believers, we frequently forget the depth of the separation from God that sin caused in our lives. I want you to remember that. You were, you were so lost and so gone before God. And there was nothing that could bridge that chasm except for Jesus. And all too often, we begin to ignore that sin is still sin. Come on, somebody. No matter how small or how big we think it is. Every day, we need to recognize that the only Savior who can bridge that gap is Jesus and that He already has. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're all in need of a Savior. And because of that, He sent the Holy Spirit to guide us, to intercede for us, and to counsel us. I mean, I'm preaching better than y'all are helping me in this church this morning. But here's something I want you to hear. His continual conviction, or should we say convincing, should cause us to feel a need to repent, right, of our sins, that we just let laid bare, or even the secret sins that we don't want to talk about, right? Or worry, or unrighteous anger, or gossip, or closet drunkenness, or lustful thoughts, or impurities. Come on, somebody. And can I, can I give you another theological box to break this morning? That word repent. That word repent isn't to change what you do. It actually means to change the way you think. Because how many people know if you change the way you think... You change what you do. So what God wants to do is bring the Holy Spirit into your life to convince you to think a different way than you currently think. Now, Pastor Joe, it's just, I've always been this way. 
That's why the Holy Spirit's here. To convince you to be a different way. It's just not that easy. It really is that easy. If we allow Him to lead us. And we allow Him to guide us. How many people have ever done anything with horses? Anybody know anything about horses? I know Brother Don does, right? What they do is they put that bridle in that horse's mouth. And that horse hates that bridle, doesn't it? It'll fight against that bridle. But what does it wind up doing? It eventually winds up leading it. If we can learn to love the bridle, that's heavy this morning. If we can learn to love the leadership of the Spirit, we'll submit to that. And I guarantee you that sin can be conquered. Oh, that's heavy, but I want you to hear it. If we submit to the leading of the Spirit, the sin in our life can be conquered. Why? Because we're not a slave to it anymore. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching. Praise the Lord. So He convicts us, or He convinces us, of our sin. And that sin is present in our lives. Pastor Joe, we know. We know sin's in our lives. We get it, okay? Quit harping on it. The truth is, is that it's not something that I'm harping on, but we need to remember that that sin that we look at and we say it's nothing, it's, it's, it's minor, it's not that big of a deal, cost Jesus His life. That sin that we hide away and we act like it's no big deal, Jesus died for it. And I'm not trying to guilt you this morning. I'm just trying to remind you that your freedom wasn't free. Come on, somebody. We have a very patriotic church up in, his, up in this place. we got a lot of people who love the military and love America. Praise the Lord for that. You understand then, freedom isn't free. It cost us something. And Christ is the answer for that spiritual freedom. So when you sin, we crucify Christ afresh. But the Holy Spirit's there to lead us and guide us out of that. Come on, somebody. That's good. But He convinces us of the sin in our lives. Now, I want you to hear this this morning because there's, there's, there's some joy in this. Pastor Joe's been hard on you for the past 10, 15 minutes. All right? Just hang out with me for a second. He convicts us of righteousness. He convicts us of righteousness. What does that word convict mean? Convince. He wants us to realize... And He wants to convince us that righteousness is available through Christ. What does righteousness mean? To be in right standing with God. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Because we all felt guilty just five seconds ago, right? When we're like, oh, I'm a filthy sinner. Oh, you know? But the truth is, is now we can be in right standing with God. And God wants to convince us through His Holy Spirit that we are in right standing with God. I don't know about you, but guilt and shame are heavy loads that I often carry but shouldn't carry. Y'all ever do that? Guilt and shame just weighs you down. Lord, I'm filthy. I'm... I'm useless, I'm worthless, I'm inadequate, I'm not able, I'm not capable because of my failures, because of my flaws. And Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to point back, the cross paid that debt. You're in right standing with me. Come on somebody. There is no shame in the presence of the Spirit of God. There is no shame at the foot of the cross when it comes to God. Come on. 
Why? Because He convinces us. You're in right standing with the Lord. This is going to go a little deep, but just hang out with me for a second. Hebrews 10, verses 18, 18, 18, Hebrews 10, verses 8 through 14. It gives us an understanding how we can be in right standing with God. First, Christ said, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them. The reason why is they thought that was required by the law of Moses, because it was. There was a time in the church where you had to go to a man to slaughter a calf on your behalf. Come on, somebody. And then he said, look, I've come to do your will. He canceled the first covenant, which required all of that stuff. Praise the Lord. And he put the second covenant into effect. For God was still with us, and we were, being, we were made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once and for all. How many people are thankful that Jesus doesn't have to come back and get crucified over and over and over and over and over? Right? Praise the Lord for that. When He done it, He done it. I always say it like this. When Jesus does a thing, He does it. Right? He doesn't do stuff halfway. He does it. But under that old covenant, the priests would stand and ministers would stand before the altar day and night offering the same sacrifices again and again and again which would take away our sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for our sins. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. I love this. And he waits until his enemies are humbled and will be made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect who are being made holy. Do you all get that? I know, I know. And the reason why it's hard for us to understand is because we hold a checklist against people, don't we? This person's only going to get right with me when they do all of this stuff. And maybe even then I ain't even going to trust them anymore. Come on, somebody. Y'all ever been there before? <laughs> this person done this, all right. This person done this, okay. I don't like them because of this. Their hair's not the right color. You know, whatever. We keep a checklist. But when God said, all right, I'm done with it, He said, all right, I'm done with it and ripped it up and threw it. And He, sap he separated it as far as the east is from the west. Hey, you know what? That don't bother me at all because that means there's kids in there. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that means a lot to me. That don't bother me at all. I know it's funny. But, but the truth is, is that whenever he, when he received our sin, I want you to hear this. When Jesus received our sin on that cross, he received past sins, he received current sins, and he received future sins. Does that give us the opportunity to, to just go do what we want to? No. Because anybody who loves the Lord wouldn't want to you know, throw away what He's done for us. Come on, somebody. But the truth is, is that we have to remember that. The Holy Spirit convinces us of that, that you're, you're made new. You are a new creature. I love this. It says, For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could make, be made right with God through Christ. The empowerment from the Holy Spirit gives us this inner confidence, right? It says, Then let us come boldly before the Lord. To come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and we might find grace to help in the time of need. 
The Holy Spirit's job is to literally remind you, and I, I promise there's so much more we're going to dive into, but I want you to hear this. His job is to let us know that Jesus and the Lord sees us righteous, that we can come to Him, that we can come and talk to Him without carrying guilt and shame into the Father's house. Religion tells us this, oh my God, I've messed up, my dad's going to be so mad at me. But relationship with the Lord says this, oh my Lord, I've messed up, I've got to go tell dad. Y'all grab that this morning? And that's the way the Holy Spirit wants us to see God. He wants to see Him as a Father that we can go to and we can cast all of our cares and that we can cast all of our worries and all of our doubts and all of our fears. He, only get, he doesn't only give us confidence, but He also gives us assurance that we have received and embraced the Lord. Come on, somebody. So He convinces us that there is sin in our lives that we needed to get rid of. Amen. He also convinces us that we are now through Christ in right standing with God. But I want you to hear this. He convinces us of judgment. In John 16 and 8, it says, And when He has come, the Holy Spirit, He will convict of judgment. What judgment? See, a lot of people want to look at us and say, You'll be judged for all the stuff that you do. That's very true. That is very true, but that's not the judgment that is talked about right here. Have, y'all been, have you ever been to church and been browbeaten like that? You're going to be judged for everything you do. You're, God's taking a record. Remember I just said that. God's taking a record and He's going to judge you for it. Well, the truth is, is that when it comes to our sin, He'll take that record and throw it out the window. But when it comes to our works, He will give us a judgment on what we do for Him while we're here. But that's not what we're talking about. This judgment here says this, uh, John 12 and 31. It helps us to see who is being spoken of is the ruler of the world, Satan. Now, this judgment and this ruler of the world will be cast out. Jesus also says in John 14, 30, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of the world approaches and he has no power over me. So Jesus is clearly speaking of our enemy who is Satan who is the ruler of the world. I want you to hear this because this is such a a relieving and amazing thing. The Holy Spirit convicts us of this truth by convincing us that Satan was judged and kicked out and holds no authority in our lives. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord for that. He has no authority in our lives. Why? Because of Jesus' sacrifice and the victory over death, hell, and the grave that gave us a freedom over 2,000 years ago. Many people teach that the Holy Spirit's place is to tell you how horrible of a person you are. Y'all ever heard that before? There's some people that believe the Holy Spirit is just going to talk bad about you and tell you how awful you are. Like, you need to get right. 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 Y'all ever heard that before? I've been preached to so many times. You need to get right. You're not where you need to be. You need to get right. Here's what I want you to know. God's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. The Holy Spirit's job is not to convince you of how awful you are. Why? Because Revelations 12 and 10 tells us this, that there is already an accuser of the brethren who is Satan. So if you feel like all the time there's a weight on you telling you how bad you are, how awful you are, how guilty you are, how undeserving you are. Do you know who that is? That's Satan. That is Satan talking to you. And the Bible tells us this. Anytime he talks, he what? Lies. (laughs) 
He said he's a liar and he's the father of all lies. And I want you to hear me this morning. It is not the Holy Spirit who's coming down on you with condemnation. The Bible actually says there is no longer any condemnation. And what happens is, is the Holy Spirit wants to point us back into right standing with the Lord. And He wants to encourage you and tell you, you are in right standing with God. You can stand in right standing with God. Come on, somebody. Yeah, sin shouldn't exist in your life, but if you fall and if you fail, that's already been covered. Praise the Lord. And the one who's coming against you, I love this, the one who's coming against you, His judgment's already come. I want you to remember this. The Holy Spirit is going to prompt you and remind you that the one who's trying to destroy you, he's already been judged. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but thank the Lord for that because nobody makes me as mad as the devil. Come on. I get so sick of his schemes and I get so sick of his plans and I get so sick of everything he tries to do against the body of Christ and this body of Christ and it bothers me to the core because there ain't a thing I can do about it, but the truth is he's already been judged. And you know what I do? I lean back into that. Thank you, Lord. He's already been judged. He's already been judged. The Holy Spirit was sent to make us aware that we're lost and in need of Jesus. And then He would lead us to Him and then to convince us that we're in right standing with God through Jesus, but to also convince us that Satan is already defeated. He's already under our feet. He's already... At the tail, he's already defeated. He no longer has any authority over us. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to just jump. Makes me want to shout. Why? Because he has no authority over me. He has no authority over me. And I want to give you another bombshell this morning. Any authority that the enemy has over you, you've given it to him. Oh, I'm going to say it again. Any authority that the enemy has over your life right now, you've given it to him, and you need to stand up and take it back. Come on, somebody. Stand up and take it back. Romans 8 and 26 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I don't know about you, but I've been there before. Life was hard. <laughs> Something happened and it just, I felt weak and I didn't even know what to say. Y'all ever been there before? The Bible tells us that if we allow Him, the Holy Spirit will pray through us when we don't know what to say. But the Spirit Himself, I love this, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which we cannot be uttered. Which cannot be uttered. That term counselor designates a function rather than the nature of something. He's a counselor. I'm convinced this morning that the one of the main jobs of Satan is, the Bible says he was sent to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can steal away your understanding of the Holy Spirit, he has taken away one of the greatest weapons God's ever given you. And do you want to know how I think he wants to steal it away? He has us convinced that the Holy Spirit is weird. Can I make a statement this morning? The Holy Spirit is not weird. People is weird. Can I say that? Holy Spirit ain't weird. People are weird. 
We've seen weird people do weird things and they call it the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. And because of that, we turn ourselves off. We turn ourselves off to what God wants to give us through the Holy Spirit. Am I preaching right? I'm preaching right. And the enemy has come in and he's made you think you don't want that. You don't need that. That's not for you. But in reality, the Holy Spirit is more for you than you could have ever imagined. And Jesus said it's for your advantage that I leave. How hard is that for us to grasp this morning? How many people would love to see Jesus face to face in the room? I would love to see. Would that not be amazing? Jesus come in here. We would all trip out, wouldn't we? We would all freak out. We'd be like, what? Jesus is here. We want to shake his hand, hug his neck, tell him how much we love him, tell him how much he meant to us and the works on the cross that he done. We would want to just lavish him with love. But Jesus tells us, it's better that I leave. Because when I leave, I'm going to send you a comforter. The Holy Spirit. And we want to act like he's weird. We want to act like he's strange and we don't want anything to do with him. Hear me when I say this this morning. That's not your fault. That's not your fault that you have garnished this mentality about the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy's fault. And I cast it down and I rebuke it because we're going to get an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Come on, somebody. And what He has to offer and what He has to give to us this morning because I want to encourage you. You are going through hell and don't know how to fight it. The Holy Spirit does. You've got weaknesses that you can't overcome. The Holy Spirit can help you overcome it. But here's the thing. We're going to go back to that first, very first thing I want you to hear. Paul's talking to these men in Ephesus and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that they were baptized into the repentance in the name of Jesus. And then Paul laid hands on them and they received. I want you to hear that this morning. They received. I could give you a gift all day. If I laid $100 right here on this stage and I said the first person who gets up here can have it, some of you all would fight each other to get up here because you need the $100. Right? Come on, somebody. I'd fight you for it. Not, I'm kidding. I wouldn't fight you for it. But the truth is, is that we have this gift that God has extended to us. A gift is a gift, but it's not mine until I what? Receive it. And I want to encourage you this morning. Some of y'all are thinking, well, what do you mean receive? Just say, Lord, if, if you want me to have it, I want it. <laughs> y'all ever been there? God, if, you, if it's real, I had to get to that point when it came to the Holy Spirit in my life because like I said, I was freaked out by some stuff. I'm like, y'all are crazy. I, ain't, I don't want to do none of this. I want to give you a quick story and then I'm done. I'll never forget it. I was at Mountville Church of God. I was in a rock and roll group, and I thought that I was the coolest thing since sliced bread. Had an ego problem. Sometimes still do. The Lord's working on me, okay? Let's get over it. But the truth is, is that there was a moment when the Holy Spirit fell in that room. And I was scared to death. Freaked me out. And there's this little old man that was sitting over to the left of me who walked in on a walker, could barely get in that room. And as church started and the choir started singing, and I mean, they were pumping too. Songs, I mean, just moving. It was awesome. Everything was flowing the right way. 
And I watched the pastor walk off the platform to this little elderly man that was sitting beside me. He leaned over and whispered something into that little man's ear. And that man jumped up. Could barely walk in the room. Jumped up. And began to jump up and down. Tears falling down his face. I said, what is going on? And I was afraid. Because I had labeled this thing as weird. Come on, somebody. This is going to set some people free, I think. I labeled this thing as weird. And I said, all right, Lord. Because I felt the Spirit. We know what the Spirit of God feels like, right? I felt the Spirit. And I said, Lord, if this is you, you know how cocky we get sometimes. Lord, if this is you, you're going to send somebody to me to tell me I ain't got nothing to be scared of. Because like, really? Nobody knows who I am. How are they going to do this? A few minutes later, this guy walks up to me. He said, Joe, you've been sheltered from this your whole life. Which was true. How he knew that? It was only God. And he said, the Lord told this prophet to come and tell you that you have nothing to be afraid of. Wrecked me. Weeping, tears just streaming down my face. And so I was going to do the only thing that I knew how to do. So I was going to go up to the altar and pray. you know. And by the time I got there, people came up and started praying for me. I didn't even get to kneel down, right? And the Bible, uh, the Bible talks about how when the Spirit falls on people, sometimes they'll fall over because they can't control that weightiness of glory that happened to me. And I would love to tell you that it was a, like some kind of spacey aura and all I heard was angels singing and stuff, but I was laying there at peace and I, I was like, man, this is so strange. I'm just talking to myself. This is so weird. All right, I'm going to get up now. And I couldn't. I was like, why can't I get up off the floor? <laughs> And here's the thing. Here's what I learned in that moment. I want you to hear me when I say this. That is, the, that is a function of the Holy Spirit, but that is not the Holy Spirit. Being prophesied to was a function of the Holy Spirit, but that's not the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is, is this, is those things are normal for the Holy Spirit, but that's not the only way the Holy Spirit works. Come on, somebody. I want you to hear that this morning because I don't want you to think that I'm saying this all has to happen for the Holy Spirit to be present. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But what I want you to know is, is as much as you want to receive from the Holy Spirit, you can have. I'm going to say it again. As much as you want to receive from the Holy Spirit, you can have. And the enemy wants to label it weird. He wants to label it strange. He wants to label it something that you don't want because people are going to call you weird and they're going to call you strange. But the truth is, is Jesus said the greatest thing that can happen for me or for you is for Him to leave and to send His Spirit. We're going to dive into this all month long. And I just encourage you, come. But right now, in this moment, I want you to just, if you've never asked God, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. Bible says He wants to give it to you. All you have to do is receive. Now some of you may think, I don't know if I want that or not. That scares the crap out of me. If I can say that in the church. Come on somebody. But the truth is, is that sometimes we fear the unknown. But here's what I want to do this morning. God wants to give you a gift. God wants to give you a gift. And, and something I love about the Holy Spirit, it is not a one-time thing. He constantly wants to pour Himself out on you. He constantly wants to give to you. He constantly wants to fill you. 
And you may be like those men that day that Paul was talking to and said, I've never heard about this. I don't know anything about this. But yeah, if it's here, I want it. Come on, somebody. So I want to challenge you for a second. Aaron, if you want to come, I would love for you to come. If not, and you want to pray, you can do that. But God wants to give you, if you have, if you've ever encountered the Holy Spirit before, He wants to give you a new encounter. Come on, somebody. And if, he, if you've never encountered the Holy Spirit before, He wants to give you your first encounter. That's good. And we're not going to make this weird. <laughs> please, please, please. I'm not going to make this weird. I just want you to, I want you to get to the point where you say, God, if you want me to have it, I want it. If you want me to have this, I want it. Holy Spirit is, is he's here. I can feel him in the room. Of course, he's going to show up when you're talking about him. You may be in the room this morning and you were unaware. This is your opportunity. And we're going to do this every week. So just, but I just challenge you. If you're willing, be like one of the 12 men and say, I receive it. I receive it. Lord, your spirit is amazing and I receive it. Lord, I've been dry. I receive it. Come on, somebody. I've been thirsty. I receive it this morning. Lord, we need a fresh wind in the room this morning. Pour your spirit out on us, God.